Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kuttner, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast will help you find ways to live a more authentic life. Every week, I have guests on the show from yoga teachers to meditation instructors, everyone to help you feel like the best you. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, you guys. So my guest today is Danielle. Um, she is an LCSW and yogi. She founded Generation Mindful to provide telehealth services to um, everyone. It's making mental health accessible. Um, and I'm so happy she's on the show. I, I know this conversation is going to be so awesome for you guys. So Danielle, thank you so much for being here. Rachel, no, thank you so much for asking me to be on um, your new wonderful adventure and podcast. Um, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with you today um, about mental health. And, you know, I think it's really relevant with what's been going on, you know, in the world with coronavirus and all over the country with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, with the election coming up and just being quarantined for about five months now. I think mental health is something that is, you know, really needs attention right now. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Well said. Um, so yeah, I just want you to tell everyone a little bit about you. Um, so they know about your services, because I know you provide such wonderful services. So I just want everybody to know about it real quick. So if you just want to um, let them know about, you know, how you serve people, that would be great. Absolutely. Um, so what I like to kind of identify, identify myself as is a telehealth um, therapist and a specialist at that. So I exclusively do telehealth therapy, which is, um, you know, your typical Zoom call, Skype, Google, Hangout, whatever, you know, kind of my client has access to and via telephone. And the reason I do this is because, um, you know, the name of my business, Generation Mindful says it all. Um, I found that you know, through my service as a social worker, that the biggest inhibitor to going to therapy is the access to therapy. So, you know, our generation is so, so, so busy working multiple jobs, juggling, being a parent, um, a spouse, um, you know, working full time, sometimes working, working more than one job and having all your other responsibilities. And then you're kind of putting yourself last. So we are a generation whose minds are full, um, full of anxiety, full of depression, full of stress. And with telehealth therapy, you can literally do therapy from your car on the way to work, um, you know, sitting outside waiting for your kids to come out of whatever class or sporting event that they're doing. Um, so, you know, instead of being in a traditional office setting, you know, we're really not limiting when, where, how, and why therapy can happen. And I've done both. I used to have an office location down um, in Ocean, New Jersey, and it was a beautiful experience. And I think it's important for therapists to get that experience, you know, doing in-person, learning body language, learning those communication skills, especially early on in your career. But we also have to progress with where life is progressing, right? And sitting on a couch, you know, with someone for 50 minutes isn't really where society's at now, especially with, you know, health concerns and then coupled with time restraints, um, it, it's kind of formed out of necessity. And I actually think I've been put in a wonderful position with the pandemic coming because it really has escalated my business um, 
kind of values because now people are, are realizing the, the importance of having flexibility and having therapy. Yeah, I love that so much. I love that you're making telehealth accessible for everyone. You know, um, people can talk to you wherever they are. It's, it's just so needed to have access to mental health services. So thank you for doing that. I love your passion for mental health. It really just makes me so happy. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to just talk about some uh, topics in mental health that you and I both feel are very important. Um, and I think you you kind of introduced it a little bit um, when you started talking about how everyone is so busy and so stressed. Um, so I'd love to talk about self-care as the first topic. Um, I would love for you to give the listeners some tips about how to have a regular self-care practice and why self-care is so important. Um, so yeah, can you just like give the listeners some more information on why self-care matters and and what they can do to incorporate self-care into their daily life. Absolutely. Um, so if we think about it, um, I love to bring things back to infancy, right? Um, especially mm -hmm. because I am pregnant. I'm having a baby in late December. And I've started to really think about what can we learn from infants, right? And infants are all about self-care. They <laughs> eat when they're hungry. They sleep when they're tired. They cry when they're frustrated. You know, um, all of, they meet all of their basic needs. And this is something that we have lost over the progression of, you know, coming into adulthood, right? What do we do now? We survive off of caffeine to stay awake. We work late hours to accommodate multiple jobs. We push off meals because we feel, you know, oh, I don't have time or I need to look a certain way or whatever the case may be. But we've really lost touch with how to take care of our basic needs. And so we've given it a designer name of quote unquote self-care, which I love. I'm all about self-care. But realistically, self-care is the same thing as basic human needs. But we've, as a society, felt that we need to give it a name in order to justify taking it, right? So um, one of the big things I talk about with my clients is just normalizing that you have needs as a human being. It's not that, you know, um, you don't deserve them, number one, and busyness is not a badge of honor. We, we act like it is, but really it's just that we've put so much into our days and our minds that we're burnt out. So now we have to take this self-care practice and really re-implement our basic human needs. Um, so I really love to start with just identifying that you are a human being, you have limitations, and you have needs, basic human needs. Mostly sleep is the most important one that I think we all ignore, me included half the time. Um, so one of my biggest self-care tips is really, the first and foremost is getting yourself on a better sleep schedule. Um, I love the do not disturb mode on the iPhone. I think it's so important to set boundaries, and boundaries is another thing we'll talk about today. It's a, it's a um, one of my kind of big hitters in a therapy practice, but we need to set boundaries in order to get adequate rest because if we don't rest, we can never refill our cup. And I always talk about, we need to refill our cup before we let anyone else drink from it, right? And if we're not sleeping, nothing else is gonna happen at 100%. So starting to um, really make your nighttime and sleeping routine a sacred practice. So, um, you know, getting the Himalayan salt lamp, having that gentle light, getting the blue light filter on your phone, um, reading before bedtime or listening to a podcast versus texting on the phone or even watching TV, um, having a cup of tea at night before bed, 
one of my favorite tips is if you eat carbs before you sleep, you will sleep better. So I always say have a little snack before bed because why not? What's the harm? Um, so, so sleep is kind of my first step in the foundation of self-care. Oh, for sure. I, I can definitely relate with that. When we're sleep deprived, we're just not fully there. So that's great. Absolutely. And I Absolutely. also, I loved how you called it a sacred self-care routine because it is, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's sacred to take care of yourself. It's needed. It's beautiful. I, I so agree with that. And I know you're also really passionate about um, encouraging people to slow down. Um, so could you just elaborate a little bit more on that? Um, I know personally, I see people who are overscheduled and, you know, they're not scheduling the time for self-care. So what would you say to those people who are so busy working and they're just not making the time? Like what, what advice do you have for them? Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, I love to ask people, um, you know, what does your daily routine look like? And nine times out of 10, it's the, you know, I'm waking up, I'm already stressed out. I had a crappy night's sleep. I'm trying to make my coffee. So again, using something to substitute natural energy to get us going. Um, and I log on my computer and I'm like, and I normally ask, okay, what time is that? 7.30 in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, 8.30 in the morning. I don't know when nine to five stop being the hours that we work. But now it seems to be 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. somehow um, because we've, especially in quarantine, we're not working from home. We're living at work now, right? So the boundary is even more blurred with um, kind of filling our days and not slowing down. Um, So I have people kind of go over their day-to-day routine with me and I start to look at these patterns. And the biggest thing is that people will sit in front of the computer without food, water, bathroom, anything for hours at a time. And then they're also trying to schedule in okay, well, I need to do the laundry. So it's all, it's all day-to-day tasks that are needed. But if you think about it, aren't what keep us alive, right? So one of the biggest kind of self-care practices I recommend to my clients from a busyness perspective is scheduling time to yourself like you would schedule anything else and respecting it as such, right? So we schedule a doctor's appointment, we get reminders in our phone. Um, you know, if we're late or don't show up, there's a penalty. And I think we need to start treating self-care and slowing down in the same way. So for me personally, and I talk to my husband about this all the time, I take walks in the morning before I start work. I take a walk with my coffee. Sometimes I'll talk to clients and do, you know, a session during my walk, but just starting the day with some slow intentional movement versus say like a hit class or a spin class. That's those are great, but they always tend to feel a little bit more stressful on the body, right? And we're not trying to start out the day in a, in a state of stress. We're trying to start out the day in a place of mindfulness. So start out with a little movement in the morning or read for 15 minutes with your coffee. Make these things more intentional that don't have to be technically, quote unquote, productive work, right? So don't have your coffee and get on a Zoom call immediately, you know, for a client or start your laundry while you're doing your coffee or clean, do something intentional in the morning. So kind of even before you start your day, slow your day down, like just relax. You have all the time in the world, right? And, and we tend to act like we don't have all the time in the world because we're actually pretty poor time managers with how busy we've made ourselves. So again, busyness doesn't exactly mean, you know, it's a badge of honor or that you um, are productive. It can just be that you put all this crap on your plate for the day and then you end up exhausted. So I think physically scheduling time. I do it in my iPhone calendar. Um, in the middle of the day, say for lunch, again, step away from the computer, step away from what you're doing, take your food outside. Um, 
read a book, put on a book on, um, you know, audio while you're eating, taking actual scheduled breaks, like you would schedule any other meeting in your calendar for work is so, so critical. And we don't do this. We don't think we're important enough to schedule time for, um, but everything else in the world is right. So you have to, again, step one is making yourself a priority. And step two is acting like your time for slowing down is a priority as well. So my recommendation for people is to physically schedule increments during the day to take time for yourself, whether it be a 10 minute walk after lunch, 15 minutes to call your mom in the afternoon, um, you know, 10 minutes after work to just read a book, anything to really switch your brain off from the constant mode of work and into a state of relaxation. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. I know when I start my day with like getting a walk or with gratitude, I just feel amazing. And it really does carry on throughout the day. It's, it's not something that like, okay, I did this for like a few minutes and, and it's gone. Like it, it does change the state that I'm in the rest of the day. So I really encourage you guys to have a sacred self-care practice, whether it's in the morning or at night or maybe both. Um, I so agree with that. I think that's such valuable information. And um, I think that really just transitions well into the next topic that we're going to talk about, which is mindfulness. Um, Mindfulness is like a big deal in the mental health space, and it is for a good reason. And I know we both have this passion for mindfulness. So I would love if you could introduce maybe like a couple mindfulness skills. I know you started to name like doing things intentionally and Um, I think if you could just give people some good tools when it comes to mindfulness techniques, that would be amazing. Absolutely. And, and when we're talking mindfulness, again, think of the name of, you know, the business generation mindful, this is bringing ourselves back to being in the moment, right? To be mindful is to be in that moment. And so often we're looking back at what did we do? Could I have done something different? You know, we ruminate on the past and then we worry about the future And then we ignore what's happening right here and now. And that's the only thing we can control in this, in this world is what is happening in this exact moment. And that's the basics of, um, you know, what mindfulness is. It's really bringing yourself back into a moment and that can be to cope with stress, anxiety, depression, fear, whatever it may be. Um, you know, we use mindfulness to stop almost, I would say like the escalation of an emotion that will then cause us to spiral and then we're completely useless, right? So um, some wonderful mindfulness techniques that I love, um, the, the biggest and easiest one you could take anywhere with you and is free is breathing techniques, right? So, um, you know, again, I'm a yogi, you're a yogi. One of the big things they talk about is breath work. And not only is breath work something that helps as a distracting tool, but it actually re-regulates your body. Um, when you sit and take slow, deep, intentional inhale. So like you inhale for five seconds, you hold it for three and you exhale for five, you're actually slowing down your nervous system. And when we get anxious or stressed out, our nervous system ramps up, right? So our blood pressure spikes, um, our heart rate spikes. So all of these things we need to kind of re-regulate down into a state of rest. So when you use breathing techniques um, to do that, you really actually physically can feel yourself relaxing in these moments and becoming aware of what's happening in your body in that moment. Um, and you can, there's so many easy ways to do it. You can literally count, okay, breathe in one, two, three, four, five, 
hold one, two, exhale, and, and you know, so on and so forth. There's so many apps out there that will guide you through these breath work techniques. And again, they're all free. Um, you can even set a timer on your phone, or if you have a song that you like, do that kind of cycle of breath work to the song, anything that works for you. I'm really not about, you know, defining this is the perfect way to do any kind of sort of, you know, therapeutic technique or um, mindfulness, but do whatever works for you and makes you feel better. But breath work is one of the biggest things because for me, it's a distraction tool. So it'll kind of take you out of that immediate um, fight or flight moment. And it also physically regulates your body into a place of rest so that not only are you mentally starting to feel better, but then the physicalness of what stress and anxiety feel like aren't as overwhelming. You really want to use these when, you know, in those moments when you're feeling an excess of anxiety or stress or super busy at work and, you know, adding those moments into the day. Um, you know, sometimes I like to tell people to set reminders for like three times a day, just to start to make it a practice routine that you, you know, you utilize throughout the day, because just like anything else, um, incorporating mindfulness techniques is a practice. And just like anything else, if you want to get better at running, you have to schedule runs throughout the week. So if you want to get better at doing mindfulness techniques, you need to schedule the time to do it and to practice it. Um, and what this shouldn't though become is another thing for you to do, right? So it's not another thing that you should feel obligated to do from a responsibility or a busyness standpoint. Um, again, this isn't something to add to the arsenal of um, I'm so proud that I have zero time for myself because I do all these things. It's something that's actually supposed to counteract that, right? It's, you know, the more you practice breathing techniques like in yoga, the more they become a part of your everyday life. And, um, you know, something my husband's famous for saying, he's like, take deep breaths, like deep breaths. When I start to get really, you know, amped up over who knows what it is anymore, but, um, you know, and then you start to just teach yourself to take deep breaths in these moments of anxiety stress, overscheduling, um, you know, I, I find it particularly helpful during the workday, right? Who's not annoyed at some point during the day by another meeting or an email. And if you just start to learn to take these deep, deep breaths, these, um, you know, exaggerated inhales, holds and exhales, you'll start to kind of do it subconsciously. Um, but, you know, going back to my original point is you don't want to schedule mindfulness techniques, like another thing to do on your list so that you don't enjoy them. The whole point is that these are supposed to add to your life in a positive way, not to a point where it's just stressing you out more to do so. And that goes for any kind of, um, say therapy, quote unquote, homework that I like to give my clients. Um, and I always tell them this is for when you want it and when you need it. I always recommend scheduling time to practice them when you have a couple minutes, but never make anything you're doing to improve your life a chore because once it's a chore, it's no longer enjoyable. And then it's just adding to the day-to-day the -day stress that we're trying to get away from. For sure. I agree with that. Um, I would love if we could do like an example of a breathing technique together so that sure. everyone listening can just take a minute and pause and do a breathing technique. That's what that's, I think that would be awesome. So which like which technique is your favorite? I guess we'll do whichever one is your favorite together. Sure. So um, I think especially in the beginning, because I'm going to assume that people are mostly newbies, um, you know, at this technique, I like more of a guided breathing approach. I think if you're trying to do it kind of from your own mind space and you have no practice or you're so frazzled, stressed out, you like having someone guide you through it can be the easiest way to really let go and just kind of lean into the breathing practice. Um, 
so with that, I, you know, I can walk you through like a nice, a nice quick one that I like to give people um, that they can kind of do anytime, any place. Perfect. Right. Sounds good. So sit yourself in a comfortable position. Um, however that may be feet on the floor, legs crossed. I recommend that you close your eyes and really start to feel your body relax. Start to notice the sensations of where you're sitting. Can you feel your feet grounding into the floor? Do you feel the couch or the chair between your hands? Is it soft? Is it hard? Is it cold? Notice these things, but don't hold on to the thoughts. Just let them go. Start to visualize a light. Bright, but not so bright. And hold on to this kind of feeling of lightness and happiness as I guide you through guided breathing. On my command, take a deep inhale for one, two, three, and hold, two, three, and exhale, two, three, four. Notice how you feel after this first breath. You might have not been able to deep very breathly, to breathe very deeply, but we'll try again on the next one. Really relax into your comfortable position with your eyes closed and begin to inhale. One, two, three, and hold your breath. Two, three, and exhale. Two, three, four. Now repeat this pattern of breathing two to three more times until you start to feel yourself physically relax. You can feel free to turn on some music while you do this to accompany your breathing, do it for the entire song, or remain breathing in silence. After you have a couple more rounds, start to slowly wake your body back up by moving your fingers and toes, fluttering your eyes open, and noticing a new sense of calm as you move forward throughout your day. I loved that. I think that was amazing. Um, and it's, it's so cool how when we're in a calm place, like we make better decisions, um, we feel more focused. I think it's so important to check in with ourselves and, and regulate our breath. Um, throughout yeah. the day because I, I think a lot of people aren't even aware of how they store emotions and how they store stress and tension and simple breathing techniques like that are just so powerful to relax the body and calm the nervous system and it's so good. It really helps us not be as impulsive with our emotions too. If you think about it, um, anything that kind of distracts a train of thought, you know, especially if it's like an obsessive one, an anxiety ridden one, um, think of how many times we're anxious, we're stressed out, we're depressed, and our first reaction is to go to a quote-unquote coping mechanism, but it's not a healthy one, right? It's, okay, I'm going to go for the bag of chips, or I'm going to go for the glass of wine, or I'm going to text that person I shouldn't text, because we're doing things out of an emotional reaction versus a place of calmness and actual, um, you know, intention for ourselves. Again, not that anything is wrong with any of those things, but it's always the intention in which we're doing something. Um, you know, I think everything in life has a time and a place, but it all depends on what precedes that action that kind of will determine the outcome of 
the action itself. So breathing techniques are great because again, once you start regulating, you know, your heart rate, your blood pressure, taking a pause, you know, pauses are so important and, and very rarely do we ever pause anymore. Everything's about what can I do next? What can I do next? What's the instant gratification? But when we start to pause and really sit with something that's uncomfortable and work through it, you're way better capable of coping with these things as they continue to come over life because that is life. You know, we'll never be without stress or anxiety, sad moments, intense moments, but it's all on how, how do we cope with it in the moment? So again, how do we use mindfulness techniques to, to really walk us through these things instead of stumbling, tripping and falling? Yeah. And I think it's just so great to have awareness and presence. I think a lot of times people have trouble just sitting with themselves, you know, like, like slowing down, like you said, and, and being able to witness their emotions and understand why they're feeling a certain way and then let it pass in, in a healthy way. Because all emotions pass. It's also that understanding that, you know, this is how I'm feeling now, but this isn't how I'm feeling forever. And, and just developing emotional intelligence is such a great skill. Um, I know you have like a, a couple more tips. Um, I wanted to make sure that we included communication and, and healthy communication, because I think a lot of people do get so caught up in their emotions where they'll go ahead and text something that they don't really mean or say something that is out of anger. So if you could just help people a little bit with communication, I know we're like diving deep into all the therapy aspects, but I think communication is a great place to help people. So what are your best tips for that? Absolutely. Um, you know, communication, um, I always say, you know, communication and boundaries are the forefront of all relationships, whether it be professional, romantic, familial, friends, whatever it is, um, you know, communication is one of the huge pillars of successful and healthy relationships. And a lot of times, you know, you just mentioned emotional intelligence is, um, you know, we have to come from a place of if we're not understanding what we're thinking and feeling half the time to emote it correctly, just imagine what the person on the other side of the conversation is thinking, feeling as well. And do they have the emotional intelligence to adequately um, verbalize what they're feeling and thinking based on your reaction? So it's such a delicate dance between two people because we never fully know what's going on in someone else's head. How are they perceiving what I'm saying? Because perception versus reality are two sides of the coin when it comes to communication, right? We can say something with the best intention, but if that person receives it in a way that they don't take it, you know, the way you meant it, then that's a huge communication block. So I think knowing your own emotions is important, but also respecting other people's levels of, you know, emotional intelligence and communication skills. So from a communication perspective, I think, um, you know, there's some basic, basic principles of effective communication. Um, you know, again, I go back to the pause, right? So say you get an email from someone at work and it really rubs you the wrong way. Well, let's look at a couple things, right? So what happened before you read that email that could be influencing how you're interpreting that information that was communicated to you, right? Did your dog just bark? Did you spill your food on yourself? You know, whatever it may be, are you already in a pre-existing agitated state where you're not in a great place to receive any communication, whether it be positive, negative, or neutral. So take a look at, you know, why did this annoy me so much? What, what about this pissed me off? Um, so once you can identify, like, is it me or is it them, right? Am I overreacting or was this kind of, you know, am I perceiving 
the reality of what that person said correctly. Um, you know, and then I like to honestly, I think more communication is better than less communication. So if someone says something to you and it rubs you a certain way, clarify, right? We always want to clarify what is the message. Um, you know, what is one of the worst texts or emails you can get? Call me, right? Call me, period. And you're like, oh my God, what happened? Am I getting fired? Are they dumping right. me? Am I in trouble? <laughs> right? We always go to like the worst case scenario, but sometimes it's basically like there's just a lack of, they don't have enough time to like write out a whole email. So they need you to call them quick. It's not always the catastrophe that we think it is. But again, with communication, we need to clarify. So another tip is don't immediately overreact, right? Utilize the pause. Um, the pause is actually a more European kind of technique that they use in parenting that I read about recently. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so brilliant, not just from, you know, don't pick up your baby the moment it cries, but let's all pause before reacting because you cannot take back anything that you say, right? Words are forever. Um, you know, you can never take back the things that you say to another person. So we really need to respect and, and treat that power correctly. And the, what, what we say to people really forms kind of that lasting bond with them. Are we going to damage or are we going to nurture it? So, mm -hmm. so pausing is important. Clarifying is so important. And then, you know, being silent, I think silence is such an underrated thing, right? So we immediately want to fill space and voids with noise because it makes us uncomfortable. Um, oftentimes I think we don't give ourselves enough time to just sit in silence to kind of process the information and we don't give other people the same courtesy as well. So if we ask someone, are you okay? What's wrong? What's happening? We immediately want a response because it makes us feel better, but that might not be what they need in the moment. They need a minute to think, right? So we need to respect that less is more sometimes when it comes to communication as well. Respect people and respect yourself enough to give a moment to form um, coherent, well thought out responses. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that pause is golden because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people are just so quick to react and you know, it does help to pause and to slow down and to sit with things and so there are just so many gems in that in that last bit. I, yeah. I really, really appreciate all that good information. Um, so where can everyone find you? I want people to be able to find you, to contact you. Um, can you just drop all of your info so everybody can reach you? Absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, my website is Generation mindful and mindful is spelled m-i-n-d-f-u-l-l -L. so like a mindful but mindful with two l's um dot com my instagram handle is generation dot mindful and then um, my email address is generation dot mindful at gmail.com um you can reach out to me via my website. There's a contact link if you're interested in setting up an initial consultation. I am currently running a couple specials with um, you know, free 15 minute phone consultations, um, discounted therapy sessions due to um, you know, what's been going on in our society. Again, my, my motto is I wanna make therapy not only accessible but affordable because so many times people need help and they just can't afford it. So I really try to um, be accessible in that way as well. And you can always send me a DM. You have questions, concerns, want me to talk about something, um, please let me know. And 
Um, I do have plans for my own podcast to come out in the near future, kind of gearing up some guests, um, you know, getting some topics out there. So if there's anything anyone wants to hear about, please let me know. Um, like I said, you can DM me, email me, contact me through my website. Awesome. Thank you so much, Danielle. And the last thing I wanted to mention is, um, you know, there's no like bad, like, thing about mental health counseling like mental health is supportive it's nurturing it's healthy um so I I would just love if you know you can let everybody know like there's no there's no bad like right there's no bad like vibe about mental health it's really like almost like any other healthcare practice if you need to talk with somebody like that will help you in the long term. Absolutely. And, you know, treating your mental health, I think there's such a stigma around the word mental health, mental health, because it, it always makes you sound like you're crazy, right? Which is so untrue. I just think that there's, everyone needs someone to talk to. And many times, you know, we cannot talk to the people we love the most because sometimes our issues are with these people and they're not bad. We just need a sounding board or an educated person who can provide this guidance and knowledge that is non-biased, right? And um, everyone needs someone to talk to. Therapists have therapists. Um, I really encourage anyone who's struggling, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, reach out to a therapist. There is no shame in talking to someone. It is more and more common these days. It's becoming more of the badge of honor in a positive way where, yeah, no, I have a therapist. This person's great. They help me cope with this. They help me cope with that. Listen, nothing bad will come out of talking to a therapist. The only thing bad that will happen is if you don't talk to someone and you keep everything inside because then you're doing yourself a disservice. So I would really encourage people, um, you know, to reach out to a therapist, not that you have to broadcast it to anyone else, tell anyone else, doesn't matter, but it, you know, like Rachel said, it is like any other medical appointment, just like we need to schedule time with ourselves. Our minds need healthcare as well. Um, you know, we deserve that because if your mental health isn't good, your physical health will not be good either. Um, you know, they go hand in hand. So it's so important to treat your mental health like you would any other diagnosis. You wouldn't not take your insulin or your cardiac medication because there's a stigma around it. So let's not ignore our mental health because you're afraid that people will judge you. If they do, screw them, right? That's my motto as a therapist. No one gets to judge your needs other than you. So good. Thank you so much, Danielle. This was an amazing conversation. So many Thank gems. You, yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Um, so you guys know where to find Danielle. Definitely check out all her info and Thank you so much for listening. Hey friend, thanks for checking out this episode of the Solutions Podcast. For more episodes just like this, be sure to subscribe. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Solutions Pod. Thanks again for listening and be sure to check out our next episode.